Hey, so that is just a glimpse of what goes down at Momentum. Let me give you uh, a quick story. Um, my first Momentum that I went to was about 19 years ago. So, wow. Uh, older than every student in this room. I've been going to Momentum before you were born. I've been going to this event. And uh, let me just tell you something. I remember uh, on that particular uh, Momentum, I remember in the, the last service of the evening, we were all huddled up in a, in a prayer circle. It was just the guys for whatever reason. We were worshiping our hearts out. We were growing. We were pushing. And there was this moment where we just got huddled up. And there was this sense of community, this sense of family, where we're just praying our guts out for each other, where we're like all these big, strong dudes that are weeping and are hugging and are just like, come on, man. And we were watching God break through each other's lives and do these amazing things. And I remember thinking, I want to be a part of this forever. And, and I, I remember every year I go, there's just that next level of community, that next level of friendship, that next level of growing in my relationship with God. And so I want to encourage you, yes, we're going to have fun. Yes, we're going to do some crazy stuff. Yes, we're going to be able to get away and stay at a hotel and do all those cool things. But the main reason we really want you guys to sign up and go to this event is because we want you to grow in your relationship with God and with each other. And we believe there's something about that 24 hours that we get to spend together where God is going to do that. And so I want to encourage you, don't let money or any other excuse be a reason. I've heard people say, well, I got perfect attendance. Well, I hope the Lord gives you a cold the week after so that you have to miss school just for giving me a phony excuse like that. Like, I, I, I want you to understand, this is something that potentially could be life-changing, but only if you're there. And so I want to encourage you. Sign up. Talk to me if you need help with anything. We want to make sure that you get there. Uh, but this is going to be fast approaching, and spots are limited. And so once we get those spots filled up and it's getting closer to the day, it's going to be harder to get extra rooms and extra hotels. Right now we can make room. We can figure stuff out. The week before, that's just going to be too late. So help us with that. Amen? All right. <clears throat> so we're in this third part of our series. We've been going through Luke. Anybody know the chapter? Luke chapter what? Anybody know? 15. Yep, we've been going through Luke chapter 15. Again, give you a little bit of backstory. In this moment, Jesus is explaining to the Pharisees why he's hanging out with unbelievers, why he's hanging out with people who don't have a relationship with God. And so on the first week, we talked about the first parable. Anybody remember what the first parable was? The lost what? Lost sheep. Yep. Last week, we talked about the lost what? Coin, right. And so tonight we're going to open up with the third part of that story. And it's kind of interesting because we go from an animal to an inanimate object to an actual human being. And before I get into that, I want to give you another quick little story. I remember a while back I was reading a story about a kite being flown in the air. Anybody ever flown a kite before? Right? You fly, I, always, I always wanted to, but I felt like, like you had to like have money to fly. I don't know why. It's a piece of plastic. But I always felt like, yo, no, that's rich people's stuff. We don't fly kites. Um, but if you ever got a chance to fly a kite, it's kind of a cool experience. I've seen people do it. Maybe one day I'll get to fly a kite or relive my dream with my daughter or something. Um, but I was reading this story about a kite being flown. And while I was in the air, the kite began to talk to itself. And this is what the kite began to say. If only I could get rid of this string. It was the string that's holding me back. If only I can get rid of this string, I could fly so much higher. 
If I could fly higher, I could fly above the clouds, I could go as high as I wanted to. If I can get rid of this string, there would be nothing holding me back. I am limited by the string. One day, the kite got its wish. The string broke and the kite came crashing down. See, what, what the kite didn't realize was that the same string that was holding it down was also lifting it up. What the kite didn't understand is the very string that he wanted to be cut off from was the very string that was allowing him to fly. That cutting the string didn't make him free, it made him lost and eventually broken. Often, in our pursuit of happiness and life, we feel the need to cut the string, to cut our connection away from God. We feel like that string is holding us back from experiencing our best life, from being able to enjoy the things that everybody else enjoys. Well, you know, if it wasn't for being a Christian, I would do all the things everybody else does. See, it's my faith in God or maybe even my fear of God that prevents me from being able to fully embrace what everybody else seems to be doing. I could be free if God wasn't holding me down. That is until you come crashing down. And it's in those moments after we've suffered and we stop that we begin to wonder. It's those moments. See, the, there are times where that's all we want to do. We want that freedom. Can I tell you something, guys? The worst thing God could ever do for you is answer that kind of prayer. Is give you the thing you want that he doesn't think you need or should have. The worst thing God can do is you keep wanting to be in a relationship that's not good for you and God allowing you to do it. And you think, finally, God has set me free to be in this same-sex relationship or to be in a relationship with this unbeliever or to, to have a sexual relationship before marriage. You think that this is freedom, but really it's being cut off from God. And when it comes crashing down, when it becomes a, a failure, here's what you're left wondering. And I've seen it. Over and over again, over many years, it's always been the same thing. They want to be cut off from God. They do that very thing. They come crashing down broken, and they begin to wonder this question, could I ever reconnect with God again? Could I ever connect that string again? It's in those moments where we wonder, is it possible to reconnect with what I've been cut off from? And my hope tonight is to show you that yes, absolutely, you can. In the Bible, Jesus tells us a story about a young man who decides it's time to cut off the string from his family. In those days, in Luke chapter 15, the parable that we're going to be reading, every child would receive a financial inheritance from their father. Now, it wasn't unheard of to ask for that inheritance before your father's death, although that was kind of rude. <laughs> If you were to go to mom and dad and say, hey, listen, I don't want to wait for you to die. You're kind of already dead to me. Give me my inheritance. And in no unsubtle terms, that's really what you would be saying to your mom and dad. I don't want to wait for you to die. You're already dead to me. Give me my inheritance. I'm out of here. And this is what this young man ends up doing. If you have your Bibles, look at Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 13. It says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons. 
The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. Let me tell you something, people. I don't know. I can't tell you the Bible specifically says this. But my guess, a father knowing his son, he knew what his son was going to do with that money. He wasn't shocked. He wasn't like, oh, no, I can't believe you did that. (laughs) If you were bold enough to ask me for the money before I die, I kind of already have an idea, knowing my son, what you're going to go do. And I'm saying that because, listen to me, when God allows you to do something he never wanted you to do, it's not that he's ignorant. It's not that he doesn't know or he's surprised by what you end up doing. It's just that sometimes, if we're unlucky, he lets you do it. Because some of y'all will never figure it out until you go through it. Some of us are so hard-headed that it takes going through that situation to ever really realize it. And so God says, if that's really what you want, go for it. You really want to run away from me? You really don't want to have a relationship with me? You really want that other person? You really want that other thing? You really want to pursue your own life and cut the string? Okay. And God will allow you to do it. Just like this father ended up giving the inheritance to his son. And his son didn't wait. Right after that, he packed up all his stuff. He moved away. And there he wasted his money in wild living. Now, it's easy to look at this and think, man, this kid is ungrateful. But I learned a long time ago not to judge people too quickly. (laughs) We don't know why this guy wanted to leave so badly. See, many of us, we have no clue what somebody sitting next to us is going through. They could be your best friend, and you really have no idea what's been battling in their heart and in their mind. Because we're living in a world where we just put our best face forward. We, we, we live in a world where we only put the filtered image on social media. We only put the highlights of our life on social media. We don't, we don't post the bad things. We don't post the negative things. We don't post the worst moments. It's always smiles and a peace sign. And so we see all this going on in everybody's feed, and we think, wow, everybody's living it up but me because, hey, they're not posting their worst moments either. Many of you have no idea what people are going through, and we don't know what this kid went through. There's no mention of his mother. Maybe his mother had died. She's never mentioned in the story. Maybe he got into a huge fight with his brother. Maybe he was jealous of him. Maybe he just believed that his family was holding him back from living his best life. It reminds me of another story, one that you and I might be a little bit more familiar with. Anybody here ever seen The Wizard of Oz? Right, The Wizard of Oz? I love The Wizard of Oz. That woman can sing. You know you can sing when you replace the I with an A. That woman sings. And, uh, and I remember watching The Wizard of Oz, and if you remember the story, if you look at Dorothy's story in The Wizard of Oz, it's not too different. In the beginning, Dorothy is dreaming of a land where? Where's this land that she's thinking of? Anyone know? Bam, thank you. She's thinking of a land over the rainbow. If you want to think about how cool this movie was, this is one of the first movies that became really popular in Technicolor. And so the land that she lives in, in her eyes, is black and white. But over the rainbow is where all the color pops. Over the rainbow is where her best life is going to be. And so she dreams of this land on the other side. You know, we're always trying to get to another place. We're always thinking things will be better if we lived with that family or, or if we went to that church or if we grew up in that neighborhood. We always think... That over the rainbow, stuff's going to be better. 
But look closer at Dorothy's life, and it's not hard to understand why she wanted to leave. In the story, she lives with her aunt and uncle. So that tells us right off the bat that for whatever reason, her parents weren't in her life. Maybe mom and dad died. Maybe they didn't want her. For whatever reason, mom and dad are not in the picture, and aunt and uncle have to be the ones to take care of them. If you watch the movie, she's the only kid we see. There's no relationship she has with anybody her age. It's almost like she's the only child in Kansas. It must feel very lonely. Her family is very poor. The crops aren't even producing this year, and they're at risk of losing the farm. And her only friend in the entire world is her dog. And it's about to be put to sleep by some old rich lady that hates her. It's not hard to see why Dorothy and where this son are coming from. I'm sure many of you have reasons. I'm sure you got your own reason why you want to cut off the string. Maybe money is an issue at home and it's driven you to do things. Maybe you grew up in poverty and you think, listen, the only way I'm ever going to not be the way my family was is by doing things that I know I shouldn't do, but it's going to get me ahead. I get it, man. One of the first things I did when I started making a little bit of money was I bought cable. My whole life, I didn't get to watch Nickelodeon. Everybody else got to watch cable, but my parents were, we ain't got money for cable. So the first time I had money, I bought cable. I remember my first apartment, I had no furniture but a TV. I'm like, I ain't never had a new TV. I'm going to sit down, right? We always want to do the things that we feel like we don't have. Maybe you've been feeling completely alone, even though you're surrounded by a lot of people. Can I tell you something? You can have a ton of people around you and still feel alone. I've had many moments where I've been surrounded by people, but had no relationship. Maybe you just felt like you were missing out. Some of us, we grow up in church, and it's hard because you've never experienced those things. There's this curiosity. There's this wonder of, well, maybe, maybe if I just tried it. Everybody else seems to love this. Everybody else hypes this up. You know, I've never, I've never had alcohol in my life, but everybody else is drinking, and, and it just seems like, you know, uh, maybe that's the thing to do. There's this curiosity. There's this wonder. Everybody else is, is, is sleeping around and, and having sex, and, and, and I'm still a virgin, and I don't know how to, I don't want to seem like a lame. And so there's all these thoughts that begin to wonder. Maybe it's not so bad. Maybe I just need to cut the string. But if you look, <coughs> the son and Dorothy found out really quick what it's like to cut the string. Dorothy's life literally spins out of control as she's caught up in a tornado and she lands in a whole different world. A world filled with annoying little munchkins, with flying monkeys, although I ain't gonna lie, that looks legit. Flying monkeys would be dope. I would love to be in a land where there are flying monkeys. I imagine there would be a lot of poop being thrown from the air, but it'd still be kind of cool if I could train a flying monkey. I'm digressing, but still, I think that's dope. And an evil witch that was trying to kill Dorothy just to get her shoes. Right? Just to get some fresh kicks. She's trying to murder her. And although, let's be honest, technically Dorothy did commit manslaughter when she landed the house on Old Girl's sister. We can't pretend like that didn't happen. In a court of law, she might be found guilty. See, even though she makes a few new friends along the way, she quickly realizes this is not home. This is not the place for me. This is not who I am or where I want to spend the rest of my life. I was better off at home. I don't know, maybe you've been there. 
Maybe you've had those moments where you cut the string and you decided to, to hang out with people you shouldn't hang out, to do things with people you shouldn't do. Maybe you're just fantasizing about it. You're thinking about that idea. You're wondering how bad could it be. You know, our leadership team has a ton of people that cut the string and regretted it really shortly after. There's a number of people that if they could go back in time to when they were 15, 16, even some of them 18, 19, would look themselves in the face and say, listen, don't cut the string. I know this seems good. I know you're tempted. I, I know you want to do this, but trust me, you're going to regret it. My prayer is that none of you have to do that. That none of you have to go back and wish you didn't do it. But the truth is, some of you already feel that way. Some of you already wish you didn't cut the string. The same way the prodigal son finds out that he's not in Kansas anymore either. If you go back to the story, Luke 15, we read in verse, verse 14 and 16. It says, about that time, <clears throat> after he's living the wild life and all that, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. You know, when it rains and storms, three things hit him. He ran out of money, a famine sweeps the land, and he begins to starve. Sometimes everything seems legit until the bottom falls out. <laughs> everything seems cool, right? The party seems fun until the cops show up and you're running through a backyard trying to get away, hoping you don't get caught. Everything seems cool until the situation gets out of control. It reminds me of uh, this one time in high school. I, I was a sophomore. I had just started coming to Excel, but I was still trying to figure some things out. And I remember uh, I was with the rest of the football team, and we were just kind of hanging out. And I had a buddy of mine who uh, had this kid that kept messing with his girlfriend. It was her ex. And, and it was annoying him. He's like, man, he keeps doing inappropriate things to her. He keeps trying to touch her, harass her. And I'm like, yo, let, let's go take care of this dude. You know, I was always a hype guy. Like, I wasn't going to do it, but I was going to get you to do it. So I'm like, yo, let's go smash this dude. Come on, bro. We, we got it. We're going to do it. So I keep hyping him up, hyping him up. You know, at first he's like, nah, man, I don't want to do that. I'm like, come on, bro. This dude keeps messing with you, bro. We'll take him. Let's do it. So I get the whole offensive line, about four or five other of us, everybody my size or bigger, and my boy. And we all go in these cars because we knew where he got off the train. And we say, yo, we're going to wait for him where he gets off the train. And we're going to beat the living daylights out of this kid. So we're all hyped. We're all excited to get into a fight. Everything's all going. And we're waiting for this kid. Sure enough, this kid comes walking out down the sidewalk. I like to tell you he was just like six foot four, jock, swole, thug looking dude. Nah, man, this kid was goofy looking. Scrawny, nerdy. I, just, I was like, oh, man, all this hype for this kid. Like, I'm already thinking, like, we don't even have to beat him up, man. We could just take his homework. Like, he, he's going to cry right there. Like, so I'm already, instantly, I'm already regretting this, right? I'm already like, yo, I thought we were going to fight like a game banger. Like, like, I thought we were really getting into it. But see, I had already got the thing going in motion. So, you know, sometimes we forget that once the thing is rolling, it's hard to stop. So I already hyped up my boy, so I'm looking. I'm not even into the situation yet. I'm looking, and my boy comes running towards the kid full speed. And I'm thinking, oh, no. My friend runs at a full speed, clocks him dead in the face. Kid never saw it coming. Full speed, punches him in the face. Kid flips out, headphones fly off his head. He turns around and he flies headfirst into the corner of a brick wall. Whole chunk of his head still on the wall. Blood literally gushing out of his head. 
in the air pouring over his face. Whole face covered in blood. And he's screaming, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I'm thinking, oh crap, he's dead. We just killed this kid. And I like to tell you we called an ambulance and we sat down and put pressure on his head and waited for people to come. But we just left. We got in our cars and we freaked out and we left. We all shaved our faces and changed our hair color. And I'm like, you ain't calling me up in the lineup. I was so freaked out because I thought that's what I wanted. I thought I wanted to be with that group. I thought I wanted to be that kind of guy. I thought I wanted to be a tough guy. I thought I wanted to be somebody that was down. And I realized these are the consequences of cutting the string. I remember I was so freaked out that on the way home, I wasn't even thinking I crashed my friend's car. I had lied to my girlfriend because I told her we had a football meeting, but I forgot about the other 52 people on the team. <laughs> and none of that mattered. I wasn't tripping about my friend's car. I wasn't tripping about the girlfriend. I was, here's what happened. That night, it was a Thursday. That night, I came to Excel. And I went to an altar, and I cried my eyes out. And I asked God to forgive me, and I asked God to save the kid. Thank God the kid survived. He had, um, I think it was 50 stitches on his face to cover all the scars up. See, sometimes we realize it's not what we thought it was going to be. It's not like TV. This is real life that we go into. And you look at the prodigal son. What does it say? About that time he ran out of money. A great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. And he persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Let me give you some context for this because Jesus is talking to Jewish people. Jewish people consider the pig to be the most disgusting, filthiest animal on the face of the planet. You know, pigs eat garbage. Pigs, pigs will eat anything. They'll eat human flesh. They'll eat whatever. They're just disgusting. They're always in filth. They just, the Jews thought it was the grossest thing ever. And by their law, you could not eat pig. You couldn't touch. I mean, they just stayed away from it. <laughs> For a guy to be so desperate, a Jewish man to be so desperate that he takes a job feeding pigs and gets to the point that he wished he had the life that the pigs had is to say how horribly low he has sunk. The guy went from living it up, wild parties, sleeping around, getting drunk, wasting all his money, to now living among the animals that the Jews found the most disgusting. Some of you understand how quickly you can go from flying to falling. How everybody's your boy, everybody's your girl, everybody's down with you until you're no use to them anymore. So that they don't find any value in you. One minute you're having the time of your life. The parties are insane. You've never had more friends. All the girls are noticing you. All the guys are trying to talk to you. You're doing this all guilt-free. You're not worried about pleasing anybody until you lay your head on that pillow and you start wondering, how did I become this person? How did I get to this point? How did I end up pregnant? How did I end up with an STD? How did I end up here selling drugs? Why am I surrounded by so many people and still feel alone? Why am I getting high every day? Why am I still getting drunk every day? 
Truth is, sometimes it takes hitting rock bottom to be willing to climb back up. Some of you, it takes hitting rock bottom to be willing to climb back up. And listen, I'll be honest, some of you hit rock bottom and you keep digging. But you got to learn to climb. Luke 15, verse 17 through 19, <laughs> says that when he, notice this, finally came to his senses. When he finally came to his senses. Listen, we, we've been talking about next week bringing your friends, bringing your friends, bringing your friends. And I really believe that if you bring your friends, that God's going to do something in their life. But let me also remind you that there are some people in your life and there are even some people in this room that we can do all the services we want. We can say it to you to your blue in the face. We can open the Bible to every scripture that's just literally reading your life out loud. But you have to finally come to your senses. You have to decide, do I want to do this? Am I willing to humble myself and ask God for forgiveness and reconnect the string? Nobody can do that for you. Nobody can make you do that. And there are some people that sadly, because they feel like they've gone too far, they feel like they're too hopeless, they're unwilling to believe or trust what God says, that they'll never reconnect the string. They'll never leave rock bottom. They'll want people to feel sorry for them, but we won't. Because it's within your power to say yes to Jesus. Not to climb out, not to do better, not to get healed. That's obviously outside of your power. But you can still say yes to Jesus. And you can give him permission to do what he's desiring to do. You know, I think about this all the time with the uh, prodigal son, as he's called, or this son that we've been talking about. Notice that it says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. Go to verse 18. It says, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. Let me pause right there. It says when he finally came to his senses, he decided to go home. When he finally came to his senses, he decided to go home. I always think about this. I always notice that the father never went to get his son. The father never went to get his son. I believe the way rumor mills go down, and this is nothing new, I believe the father knew. Because people love to tell you, right? You don't want to know what your ex is doing, but people love to tell you about him. Yo, did you hear your ex got a new boyfriend? It's like, oh, thank you. That's so helpful to me. Yo, did you hear your, your ex-boyfriend is dating so-and-so? Oh, great. That makes my heart so amazing. Like, we don't want to hear these things, but people tell you, that, oh, you heard so-and-so thinks you're ugly? Thanks. That does wonders for my self-esteem. Right? We don't want to know the tea, but people like to throw it on us. And so we get to this position, and I wonder, did this father know? Did somebody go to him and say, hey, did you hear your son is living with pigs? Did you hear your son is broke? Did you hear your son has no friends? Did you hear your son is completely abandoned? I would imagine as a father, any situation my girl finds herself in, I want to think that I would go and try to rescue her. But I think this father was wise. Because he knew just like our heavenly father knows. If you are unwilling to come, going isn't going to help you. Because the father knows if I would have gone to get him before he was willing to humble himself and come home, yes, I might have been able to bring him, but he would have gone back eventually. 
Yes, I could have brought him back to my house. We could have cleaned him up. We could have done all the things. But because he wasn't ready to come home, he would have left anyway. Some of you are waiting for somebody to come and get you when God is waiting for you to humble yourself and come to him. Some of you are waiting for God to snap his fingers and take all the situation away. And God is saying, step out of the situation and come to me. Finally, when he came to his sense, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. See, when you finally have enough, you're willing to do anything to reconnect. In the son's case, he was willing to humble himself and ask for forgiveness. He was willing to throw away his title as a son and become one of his father's servants. When we look at Dorothy, she put her own life in danger by trying to fight the wicked witch. She was willing to travel in a hot air balloon with some creepy, pervy-looking dude. She was leaving to leave some new good friends behind for a chance to go home. Both were willing to do anything if it meant reconnecting the string and going home. But you and I, we so often overcomplicate things. We feel like I have to earn my way back. I have to be better before I can go back. I have to, to clean myself up before we go back. We, we can't believe that it would be that easy. No, no, there's no way it could be that easy. Uh, there's no way God would take me back. There's no way people would accept me again. Everybody knows what I've done. Everybody knows what I've been through. There's no way. Listen, this son knew in the Jewish culture, there was no way he could have just easily come home without everybody casting him out. <clears throat> this kind of situation, had the people gotten to him before the father got to him, and we'll get to this in a moment, he wouldn't have been accepted back in his community. But because the father accepts him, the community has to accept him. Some of us, we get so caught up in why it won't work that we never see why it will. We never understand that it's not as difficult as you see it if you're willing to humble yourself. Repent, meaning getting away from all the things you used to do. Now, that's, that's the deal. Listen, the son couldn't go home and stay in the pigsty at the same time. Some of us think we can some of us think, well, listen, I feel bad, and so because I don't want to feel bad, I want to reconnect with God, but I have no intention of stopping what I'm doing. And it just doesn't work. You can't be in two places at once. You can't be connected to God and disconnected from God at the same time. You're one or the other. You can't continue to do the sinful things that brought you to that place and still be connected to God. And so you have to be willing to be humble enough to repent and say, you know what, I'm not going to be living like that anymore. I'm not going to keep hanging out with those people. I'm not going to keep doing those things. I'm not going to keep disrespecting my parents. I'm not going to keep doing the things that I've always done because I'm trying to go somewhere I've never really been. I'm trying to reconnect with God. We feel the need to go back and have what we lost, but we can't believe it would be that easy. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's just that simple. You just have to be willing to believe it. Worship team, if you can help me out. Now, you may look at that and think, man, that's bogus. She should have just said that from the beginning. What are you talking about? You watched that movie, Wizard of Oz. 
right at the end, right, she learns her lesson. She goes through the whole thing. She murdered the wicked witch. Right? I mean, she didn't know it was water, but that's two witches she just killed. <laughs> and then the good witch comes. And she's all like, I just want to go home. And the good witch is like, you could have ever gone home whenever you wanted. And it's like, what? <laughs> Those shoes, if you click them together, you go home. I'm like, wait, wait, what? You told me the yellow brick road, lady. <laughs> you didn't tell me my shoes could have got me home. <laughs> I could have been with the midgets and gone home. Listen, I'd have been mad. I'd have been mad if at the end of all that, I almost died with flying monkeys. And all I had to do was click my heels and I could have gone home, that would have made me mad. That's bogus. But here's the thing. The power to go home wasn't in a powerful wizard <coughs> or in Dorothy's shoes. It was in her faith. She needed to believe for herself. She needed to understand not just that she wanted to go home, but that she could. She had to get to that point. No one can have faith for you. That's something you got to be willing to have. Nobody can believe it for you. Nobody can raise their hand for you and humble themselves for you. Each of us have to make that decision on our own. When she was ready to take that step of faith, home was only two seconds away. Listen, in a moment, you're going to get a chance to click your heels. And come home, connect again to the Father. Some of us in this room, we cut that string a while ago. And we've been even coming to church, but we don't feel that connection to the Lord anymore. And I'm telling you, in a moment, you're not going to have to click your heels, but it'll only take two seconds. And next week, hopefully, we bring a bunch of our friends. And it's only going to take one decision, one moment, for them to say yes. Some of you, if you're honest, want, so, want to know so badly that there's a God who loves you and wants a relationship with you. Well, the only person who's stopping you is you. And you got to learn to get out of your own way. You're the one who needs to believe what the Bible says is true and what I've experienced in my own life is true. Listen, if I had $1,000 in that closet and I said, hey, listen, if you want it, first want to go get it, go for it. Now I don't, so don't get out of your seats. But if I said that, the person who got the $1,000 was the one who believed me. Because there will be plenty of people like, man, he's just lying. There ain't no $1,000 in there. But for the one who believed and was willing to take a step of faith and look, they would receive it. All I'm saying is in a moment, tonight and next week, there are going to be people who have an opportunity to believe what not just what Pastor Joey says, but what God says. And those who take that step of faith, those who say yes will know it. Because that's what I've experienced in my own life to be true. That you don't have to do anything to earn it. You just have to be willing to accept it. If we go to the end of the story, <clears throat> see Luke 15, verse 20 through 24. It says, so we returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Listen, I told you earlier that the father never went to find him, but the father did wait for him. 
The fact that he saw him tells me something. I already imagined the dad maybe every day standing at his doorstep saying, maybe today my son comes home. Maybe today she's willing to come home. See, the father is always ready to receive you. The father is always willing to meet you halfway. It says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son. Again, the culture, you got to understand the culture. In ancient Jewish culture, men did not run. It was undignified. It was undignified for a grown man to ever have to run. They just had a little swagger to him, you know. They strolled everywhere. To run, that made you look foolish. But I want you to notice something. The father didn't care how foolish he looked. The son of mine was gone. It says he was filled with compassion. So he ran to his son. He embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with the feast for the son of mine is dead and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. Again, going back to the culture I, I mentioned to you earlier, that son wouldn't have been permitted to go back into his community. Matter of fact, some scholars talk about what would have actually happened had the father not ran out. Had the people seen the son walking back into the town, they would have thrown garbage at him. They would have ran him out. They would have told him, you are no longer accepted in our community. God doesn't accept you. See, the people will always try to get you to stop from going over to God. But what does the father do? The father ran out and put his robe around him. Why? The robe signified, this is mine. He got his robe around him before anybody else can get their hands on him. He put a ring on him as sonship, as a way of saying, this is my accepted child. You have no say-so over whether or not they can belong here. I have already made him mine. This is my son. He put sandals on his feet because he's welcome in my home. See, when you are willing to humble yourself and say, God, I'm ready to reconnect with you. God's not going to, all right, well, you got to work a certain amount of hours and you got to do certain amount of things and you got to earn your way back into this home because, man, you really screwed up this time. So if you want to come back into my house, you got to, no, God doesn't do that. God says, when you're really genuinely willing, I'll meet you halfway. I'll cover you with my love. I'll put my sonship, daughtership on your finger. I put sandals on your feet to remind you that you are welcome to walk back into my home. I'm going to ask you to stand as we get ready to close tonight. Some of us thought we'd be set free when we cut the string that we thought was holding us back. But you forgot that at the other end of that string was the Lord holding you up. The other end of that string was the Lord holding you up. And all you did was trade a string for a chain. You traded the string that connected you to God to the chains that held you down in the misery that you found yourself in. And I want to remind you tonight 
that God is able to break any chain, that God is able to set free anyone who is willing to have enough faith and enough humility to say yes to him. So in a moment, we're going to pray for our friends tonight, those that we have written on the wall, those that we're hoping will come next week. We're going to pray that even now God would begin to open their hearts and break chains. But before we do, I'm going to ask you, close your eyes and bow your head for a moment. Because, man, it's not right for us to put a big emphasis on our friends and then you and I are stuck with a cut string. So before we worry about the people that aren't in this room, tonight I want to give you an opportunity. <clears throat> young man, young lady, maybe you're in this room and you found yourself cutting that string. It could have been recently, it could have been a long time ago. But for whatever reason, you're not connected to God the way you want to be. You don't have that relationship anymore. You thought it would be a lot better away from him. But you found out that the party dies out, that the friends walk away, that you end up worse than where you started. And listen, this can be a sixth grader. This can be an adult in this room. I, it does not matter who you are. I want to give everybody an opportunity. But young man, young lady, if you're in this room, and as I was talking, you felt the Lord just straight punch you in the chest. Man, that's you. Don't make me call you by name. Don't wait for some magical thing to happen. Be willing to humble yourself and admit, you know what? I need to connect to God again tonight. I need to go further than where I've been. I need to get rid of the chains and go back to the string. So with every head bow, every eye closed, if there's anyone here, who has either never had a relationship with Jesus Christ, or maybe at one point you did, but you know you cut that string and you've been so far from God. <clears throat> but tonight you want to come home. Tonight you want to reestablish your relationship with God so that you never have to wonder, do I have that? With every head bow, every eye closed, no one's looking around. I'm going to ask you, are you willing to humble yourself enough to admit it? And listen... I just felt in my spirit, there might be somebody in this room who goes, yeah, pastor, but I've said that prayer a hundred times. Can I tell you something? You don't run out of opportunities with God. If there's breath in your lungs, there's still a chance to connect it. It doesn't matter if you cut the strings a million times. There's still a million and one chance to tie it up again. So please don't hesitate. Don't allow the devil to trick you by saying, no, you said that prayer too many times. Because maybe, just maybe, Tonight's the moment where it sticks. Don't let the devil rob you from that. So again, young man, young lady, if you're in this room and you've cut that string, you lost your faith, you've wandered away, but you're willing to come home. You're willing to humble yourself and admit it. I need to come home. I need to connect again. With every head bow, every eye closed, would you just lift up your hand so I know who you are? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sweetie. Come on, anyone else? Be humble. Get over yourself. Be humble. Thank you, bro. Thank you, sweetie. Anyone else? That's me, Pastor. I need a relationship with God. Can I need to reconnect? Anyone else? All right, you can put your hand down. Now listen to me. The son had to take steps back home. The father didn't go to the pigsty. He had to go home. The father was willing to meet him halfway. So here's what I want. If you raised your hand, 
would you do me a favor, humble yourself and meet me up here. Take those steps of faith to say, I admit it, I need help, I need to get close to God again. Come on, if you lifted up your hand, don't worry about anybody else. Don't be embarrassed. If you need somebody to walk up with you, they can walk up with you. Come on, there's a couple more people. Leaders, if you can help me out, if I can get a leader with each student up here. Student, if you need to come up, come up. If you come up mid-prayer, come up mid-prayer. But don't sit in your seat and then wonder why you're still where you're at. God has given you a chance to come home. God has given you a chance to come home. Take your chance. Because if you come home, you can bring others home. But you got to be willing to take your chance. Leaders, why don't you get in front of them and pray for them? Come on, just begin to pray for them. Students, if you're at your seat, I believe that you already have that string connected. You're already connected. God, can you do me a favor? Would you just extend your hand out to our friends? Would you just begin to pray for them? Jonathan, if you can help me out, I got one more. Come on, let's just begin to intercede. Let's just begin to believe God can do this. We believe that God can do this. We believe that God can do this. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you never stop giving us chances, God. I thank you that your grace is everlasting, that your mercy reigns forever. I thank you, God. That there's never a time that it's too late, God. I thank you that you never reject us no matter how far we've gone, no matter how much we've sinned, no matter how much we go through it, God. You, you never turn your back on us, Lord. You're always there at the doorstep. You're always looking out. You're always waiting for us to take that step of faith, to take that step of humility and say, Lord, I need you again. So, God, I thank you for every young man and every young lady that humbled themselves enough to stand before everyone in this room and admit, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've cut off the string. I'm sorry I've wandered away. I'm sorry I thought I could do better on my own. Lord, I thank you that they've humbled themselves enough to say yes to you again. And Lord, I just pray. I pray, Lord, that they would know now that in that world there is nothing for me. That there is nothing out there that can compare with what I've discovered in Christ Jesus. That we can consider all of it garbage when it comes to what we found in you. So Lord, I pray, restore them full sonship, full daughter. Lord, I pray that they would understand that, that they, they get it all back. God. They don't have to earn it. They don't have to fight for it. They don't have to become it. They get it all back, Lord. Because they said yes to you, God. And Lord, I pray that after tonight, that you would help them not to go back to the pigsty, God. Not to go back to their sinful ways. Not to go back to who they used to be. Lord, I know some of them are going to be tempted. Some of them, are, it's going to be hard. Some of them are going to wake up the next day and, and feel like they don't deserve it. Lord, I pray, let your love and your spirit continue to remind them that they have a place in your home. Lord, I pray that they can continue to grow. Because there are so many others of our friends, Lord. So many other people we care about, people we know, and people we don't know who need to know you. So, Father, I pray in this room, help us, God. Lord, we ask you in advance for next week as we strive in the next few days to convince our friends to be willing to join us as we make ways, as we try to convince our parents even to help us give them rides. Lord, I pray, give us favor. Open doors, God. Provide ways 
for us to be able to do what you called us to do. Because, Lord, we, we feel the joy and celebration of these people coming to you, God. We want to experience it again. So, Lord, I pray, help us, God. Help us to do what only you can do. And, Father, I thank you. Because your word said that the party began after he came home. And your word reminds us that when even one person comes back to you, all of heaven rejoices. So we thank you in advance for the celebration that's going on in heaven. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody here said? Come on, everybody said? Come on, can you give God praise right where you're at? <laughs> hey, listen, here's what I'd like you to do. I'm going to dismiss you in the name of the Lord. But before we do, those of you who came up to this front, do me a favor. That leader that prayed for you, stick around. Talk to him for a couple minutes. Let him know what's going on and, and why you wanted to make that decision. Uh, for everybody else, I want to encourage you. We got small groups tomorrow. Make sure next week is the week. We want to bring our friends. We're going to hear some powerful testimonies. We're going to see God move in a mighty way. We're going to believe this times ten, man. God's going to do great things if you're willing to step up. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow.